Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Great to be with you again. So good to be able to come and bring God's word to you. Thank you for opening your homes to me to allow me to come in. Uh, The last time I was with you, I shared on what it is to be living in a liminal space. And this time I would like to share with you on the subject of stepping into the future, preparing to come from a liminal space into our destiny. And to enable us to do that today, I'd like us to start thinking about times and seasons. There's a time and a season for everything under the sun. Daniel 2 verse 21 says this, God changes the times and the seasons. He deposes kings and he raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. In other words, he's saying in God's wisdom, in his knowledge, he he removes one and brings in another, lifts one up, puts one down, because in his overall plan, he has a strategy. And the, the knowledge of his strategy comes to those with a discerning heart. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Um, Peter, in his great Pentecost message, says to the people, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What a beautiful statement. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing as a specific time for refreshing that is being brought to our attention here. In actual fact, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11, we read these beautiful words. Behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. That bad season is over. It's now springtime. It's now time to smell the fragrance of the new blooms and to hear the dove cooing in the trees. Behold, the winter is past. Times and seasons. Times have gone by a new season is about to begin. The one thing about times and seasons, it does tend to create an insecurity in us all. So I'm delighted to share with you that God says in Malachi 3 verse 6, I the Lord do not change. So descendants of Jacob, you are not destroyed. In other words, no matter what's going on all around us, God does not change. In fact, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 89, my covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter what my lips have uttered. So I thank God for his word. I thank God that he doesn't alter the utterance of his lips and that his covenant, he says, I will not violate. In other words, I won't go back on what I've said. I am consistent. Praise God for that. Last time we were together, we read, the beginning of the book of Joshua, chapter one, the first nine verses that gives us the outline of Joshua being prepared by God to lead uh, his generation or this generation, this Joshua generation into the promised land. Their years of wandering was coming to an end and now it was their opportunity. But in Joshua chapter 3, those first five verses is very important. I'd like to read them to you now. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. 
After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. It seems that the story of the Exodus and then Joshua entering into a new era begins the ending of one time and the beginning of a new season. And it reflects many other Bible characters and accounts moving from one thing to another. Of course, the Exodus from God's children being delivered from Pharaoh and wandering and encountering God and then being formed into a national identity and a people who were beginning to know their God. To Joshua leading God's people from wandering in to the fulfillment of prophetic promise. Of course, Jesus constantly was on a journey. If you read the accounts of the Gospels, he, he keeps turning up, coming from somewhere to somewhere and doing and saying amazing things. Very often, brand new things. Paul, on his missionary trips, of course, he was here for a while, and there he was there for a bit longer, and then he bypassed certain places and ended up for a longer period of time or a shorter period of time here, there, and everywhere, doing a bit of prison ministry uh, where it seemed necessary. And so Paul's journey was constantly varied, and, it, and times and seasons with people. And we all experience change. It's inevitable in our lives. There are always times and seasons in our life. It seems we live in the now, the immediate. It's like having one foot on the ground in our past and present, and one foot that reaches out into the future. It's like a moment of imbalance. I've got one foot in the now, and I've got one foot into the future, and the question is one of balance as to which way we fall, whether we fall backwards or whether we fall forwards, which we call walking. So forwards, a moment of imbalance, and then what was the future becomes the present as we reach out again with another foot to move on through imbalance and instability into our future. A memory comes to mind. Many years ago, when I was pastoring up in Lancaster, we decided that we would take the youth ice skating at Blackburn. And so we all rocked up. There was so many people from the church. And I was amazed at how many wonderful ice skaters we had. They went zooming off across the ice. I had never been ice skating before. So they put these ice skates on my feet and I gingerly stepped onto the ice holding the, the barrier as I was going around and of course it was the object of much ridicule and laughter from people and eventually I managed to push one leg and then push the other and I started getting momentum and moving across the ice but I didn't know how to turn and I didn't know how to stop so as I was going faster and faster I was aiming towards what I saw as a gap in the barrier on the other side of the ice rink. But as I was going, this child came in front of me, stopped 
and looked into my face with absolute horror as this man was charging down towards her, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't stop. I didn't know how to turn. So as I moved toward her, instead of flattening her, I picked her up and held her, and we looked face to face in horror at each other as we glided across the ice, and I managed to step off the ice through the gap in the barrier onto firm land and put her down. The child did not look very amused, and I'm sure the parents weren't very amused either. But I did what I could so I didn't damage her or anyone else. I've never been ice skating since, and I would appreciate no one inviting me to join them in such a venture in the future. One foot standing firm and the other one reaching out to the future. Essential nature of firm foundations. We need to get our firm foundations in place so that when we move through seasons of transition, stepping into the future, we have a solid, firm footing. We are rooted in the Bible. That's a firm foundation. We're rooted in fellowship with Jesus relationally. We're rooted in prayer. We're rooted in the disciplines of the Christian life. We're rooted in the experience of victories. We're rooted in fellowship. These things are essential as part of living the Christian life. But then again, as that essential foundation is there, the Bible tells us that without vision, the people perish. Or as one translation puts it, without ongoing revelation, the people live without restraint. In other words, they're wandering all over the place and everybody does what they think is right in their own eyes. We need to see where we're going. We need to know what we're aiming at. Therefore, it's essential that we as a church bring together our dreams, our aspirations, our ambitions, our goals, our aims, our hopes, our objectives, so that together we might move into what we see as a vision before us. And of course, our mission is actually how we achieve our vision. So firm foundations, but we need vision. We need to know the mission to enable us to achieve that vision as we move forward. Now, there are certain certainties of the journey. Joshua said to the people, get yourselves ready. Get yourselves ready. Uh, because you've never been this way before. Now, whatever we have now is utterly inadequate for where we are going and what God requires of us in the future. What we have now is just building blocks on which we will grow and expand but we will need to realize God's dream through us. We've never been this way before. And if we've never been this way before, we don't recognize the landscape. We don't recognize the territory. So when we come back to the beginning of Joshua chapter one, and we see in verse three, a promise, God says, wherever you put your foot, I will give you the land you claim. That's a promise. Wherever you put your foot, I'll give you the land that you claim. And of course, it wasn't just willy-nilly. It was within a defined vision from the north to the south, from the, uh, the, the Euphrates to the Mediterranean, within the confines of that area. Wherever you put your foot, I'll give you the land. It's a promise of God to be with us in the confines of the vision. God has promised that he have never abandoned us. That's what he says in verse 5, I'll never leave you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What a reassurance to know that God's going to be with us 
no matter what. And then he assures us in verse 6 that there will be challenges. I'd rather skip that verse because he says, be strong, be courageous, don't be dismayed. And I'm thinking, well, why on earth are you saying this to me? I remember as a child, my mother saying to me, Clive, we've got to go to the dentist today, but there's nothing to be afraid of. And I'm thinking, well, I wasn't afraid until you said there's nothing to be afraid of. But God says there will be challenges and you will need to be strong. You will need to be courageous. Then he says, verse four, keep on track. This is your territory. I'll give you the ground that you claim where you put your foot within the territory I'm about to give you. What we're in business for. We need to understand the prophetic. We need to understand our circumstances. We need to know the true desires of our heart. Then I think God wants us to enjoy the journey, really, not just the destination, to enjoy moving together. And so there is a need for a preparation or a consecration. Prepare yourself for the journey. Because the choices we make now will dictate our destiny. The choices we make now will dictate our destiny. So we need to prepare in this liminal space for the journey ahead. Now, many of you may or may not know that I love motorcycling. I've motorcycled all my life uh, and it's my hobby. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing track days and uh, changing motorbikes, customizing them slightly uh, to go faster and things like that. I don't do that so much now. I do touring now. That when I'm going away on touring, whether it's to the Pyrenees or to um, um, uh, the Alps or wherever it might be, I, I, it takes me time to think about how to prepare for the journey ahead because I've got no way of telling really what I'm about to face. So I put everything out on the bed and then I have to whittle it down. I've got to think of what the weather's going to be like. Is it going to be wet? Is it going to be warm? Is it going to be cold? Medical kit, money, passport, license insurance, breakdown insurance cover. Have I cleared my desk? Have I got everything I need? There's a lot goes into preparing for a journey. In actual fact, when I think about it, it's enormously hard work to try and get some fun in your life. What I've learned about preparing for the journey is this. There are three Ds, and I want to leave these three Ds with you to think about over this next period of time. For us to step into our future, there's three Ds we need to own. The first D is this. It is desire. The amount of pursuit is the measure of desire. The amount you're willing to pursue something shows you the measure of desire that you have. You see, passion is the motivation to realizing dreams. Without any passion, without any desire, I promise you, you will not realize very much at all. But the amount of pursuit is the measure of desire. The second D is direction. When you've got the desire, you've got to move from the desire into getting going in the right direction. And decisions will dictate your destination. Now, if I was to go to a fleet train station and I was to say, I'd like a ticket to go to London, please. And the ticket machine probably now, instead of a, a person, uh, would give me the ticket and I will pay the money. And I then have the authority, the right and the wherewithal to go to London on the train. 
But if I choose to go onto the opposite platform and I get on the next train in and I go in the opposite direction, even though I've been told to go to London, I've got a desire to go to London, I've got the ticket to go to London, I've got the right, I've paid the price to go to London, but I'm going in the opposite direction. No matter how much I bind it, loose it, declare it, decree it, I'm going to London, I'm going in the opposite direction. So I need to repent. I need to get off at the next station, cross the platform and go the way that I should be going. Therefore, direction comes about by making the right decisions which will dictate the destination. So we need to define our goal. Where do I want to go to? We need to create a strategy. How am I going to get there? I need to move into action and not just dream about it and tell everybody about the prophetic word upon my life. Good intention is just not enough. We need to have faith with works. That brings life. Faith without works is death. There are a few things that we need to take on board right here and now. Even if we're going in the right direction and we've got all the passion and desire in our hearts, there will always be obstacles that need to be overcome. It will never be convenient and we will always have to make sacrifice. Now, the only disability, the only obstacle, the only hindrance, the only disqualification to stop you realising your dream is what you choose to accept as one. The devil's not big enough. God is bigger. And if God has said it, then he will do it. But we need not only to have the passion and the desire, we need to get going in the right direction. And finally, the third D, well, I know you'll love this, it's discipline. It's dogged discipline. Because discipline will get you into your destination or to your destiny. You see, you need to dig deep. You need to, as Paul says to the Philippians, I, I haven't taken hold of this yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I press on, which implies a resistance, obstacles. I press on in to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I leave you with that thought today. Remember, to step into your future, you'll need desire, you'll need direction, and then you'll need discipline to realise the dream of God for your life. Like Paul, press on in to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. Amen.